you've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. Hey, what's up, guys? It's awesome to have you here, and a huge thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Chat with Traders. We've got a really cool guest on the show today, and he's here not only to give us plenty of valuable trade insights but also to share some pointers about what has made him a really successful options trader in today's market. With that being said, today's guest is none other than Kirk Duplessis. Kirk originally comes from a background of investment banking and working on Wall Street, but a few years back decided to make the switch and begin trading for himself to grow an account of his own. And as many of you may already know, Kirk is the head trader over at optionalpha.com, which originally started out as a blog but after venturing on his own, has now blown out into a platform where he teaches his method of trading options to thousands of people. Kirk is undoubtedly an authority on the subject of options trading, and that's just one of the reasons why I'm stoked to share this interview with you today. Just before we get into it, I would like to say, if you do enjoy this interview, please take a minute to leave a five-star review on iTunes. That would be awesome and a massive help that will allow us to reach even more listeners. So I'm your host, Aaron Fifield, and here is our guest for today, Kirk Duplessis. Enjoy. Hey, Kirk. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. It's uh, awesome to have you here, and I uh, really appreciate you you know, giving up the time to come on. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it, Aaron. Awesome. So let's get started by um, sharing with us how you got into trading, um, where did it all start for you, and what was the initial appeal? Yeah, I mean, it goes back a couple of years, probably about eight or 10 years now. And, uh, you know, I think I really got, you know, I've always been in finance and, and interested in finance, right? Like my family's been in the financial business for a long time. So so that's always been an interest of mine. But I think I really got introduced to trading uh, when I was actually working in New York. So I worked 
on Wall Street for Deutsche Bank, which is a German bank. Uh, but I was in the mergers and acquisitions department. And, and, you know, so I was dealing with that and, you know, kind of corporate finance for my degree and everything. But I had an opportunity with them to do a rotation on a derivatives trading desk. So like high yield debt and junk and stuff like that. And that's really where it kind of like piqued my interest in trading. And just kind of from there, it's, you know, kind of taken off as far as, you know, just continuously learn. For me, I mean, probably like you, it's it's like a never ending you know, thing. The markets are always changing. There's always new things to learn. So, so for me, that's always the big appeal, right? Is like, how can I get better and better and better at trading? Absolutely. No, really good point. So I was listening to um, one of your podcast episodes earlier on, and um, you talked about losing a couple thousand dollars in your yeah. first week um, after you left Wall Street. So I'm keen to hear what were some of the things you struggled with early on? Yeah, man. So, so, so when I got home from, and so, so in between Wall Street and 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 doing, you know, working in M and A, I had a chance actually to work for a regional bank in the U.S. doing research. So I was a REIT analyst. We covered like real estate investment trusts, and we would go meet with the CEOs and CFOs and publish reports and do the whole thing, and then you know give price projections on stocks, which are you know now totally bogus. Like I look back on that now, and I'm like, I can't believe anybody ever <laughs> read our stuff and like took it seriously. These projections at the same rate, right? So after all that, I you know I told my wife, I said, look, you know I'm gonna come home, uh, I'm gonna come home, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start trading, right? I'm gonna do you know what I what I you know I've seen these guys do before in New York. And so I got home the first week and, you know, like, like a rodeo cowboy, like new guy trading, right? I think I know exactly how the market works. And so I get in there and I make a bunch of trades. That I have, you know, no idea what's happening, but it just looks kind of cool to do it. And I end up losing a couple grand. And my wife comes to me and she's like, look, you know, if this is what it's going to be like when you're at home trading, <laughs> you better, you know, you better rethink your priorities here. So, but I think that that, you know, that really ha- actually was probably one of the best things to happen to me. And I know, I know a lot of people go through that same thing, right? Where they go home and, you know, they start trading and they lose and then they get discouraged. And, and I'm here to tell you that, you know, probably losing some money to begin with is, is just your form of education, right? It's like paying tuition to the market. So, I think what that taught that taught me so many different lessons in that just couple weeks that I was at home starting off. Um, but I think it really laid the foundation for you know allowing me to go out and say, hey, you know, what do I really want to do? Like, what, you know, what does trading really look like? And then kind of from there started my trajectory of you know learning how how to really make this a successful income producing thing. Yeah, right. So you took a few decent losses in your first week. How did you push on through that and not get discouraged? Was it you could see the opportunities and potential if you were to continue? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that when you know, I've coached so so many people over the last like seven eight years, you know, uh, across the entire country. I mean, like you know, across the entire country, I've coached people in Australia and the UK and Africa and India and, and all over, right? And I find the same kind of things that people get discouraged about is just trading, you know, they'll make a couple good trades and then they'll make one bad trade, right? And then that one bad trade, it kind of like hangs over them, right? Like it's that one bad trade that went wrong and they're like, man, this this never works, right? So I think what, what I found um, and where I'm at now with my trading is that it's all about numbers. I mean, it, and, and it's got to be about numbers and you have to approach the market 
like like a mathematician and that's that's how it's got to be right you can't approach the market with you know emotional ups and downs right i think a stock is going to go higher or i read this news article all this stuff means crap it, and it doesn't really help you you know become more successful so you got to approach it by the numbers and by the probabilities and i think what i learned kind of in those first months like really trading by myself and doing this was that if I'm doing the right activities, like if I know that I'm going to, you know, make the right trade, and that also leads me to believe that I know that over time that trade's going to pay out. It, it might not pay out the first two times, but if I make that same trade and it's a great trade, maybe it pays out eight out of ten times, right? And I just don't know when those eight times are going to come in. I know that you know two times I'm going to lose, and it might be the first you know two times I make that trade. But if I'm doing things right, I'm doing the mechanics right, over time, you know, the odds are going to work out in my favor, the probabilities are going to work out in my favor. And that's what I've really found in my trading is that you've got to do the little things right every day. I mean, you've got to be like a robot making the same types of mechanics with your trades because over time, it's going to work out. Of course, yeah. So um, just on a side note there, when you left your, your job working on Wall Street and sort of with these other firms... Mm-hmm. Were you just sort of diving straight into it without any other income? Um, you just sort of started trading and that was sort of your only form of income at the time? Yeah, man. So so that was, it was an interesting time. So because uh, my family has been in the mortgage business, I was, I was kind of sort of in the mortgage business, you know, helping out with them uh, during that time. So, but now trading is definitely, you know, a full-time income for me. But, you know, I was fortunate enough that I did it at a young enough age with my wife, you know, that we were able to take a little bit of risk because she did have a more steady job. She's a teacher, still a teacher to this day. So she was kind of my rock in that sense because she was able to, you know, I was able to lean on her a little bit. Uh, so I think that, you know, I would, I would be hesitant to tell anyone to just, you know, quit their job and just jump right into it. And frankly, I don't even think you need to do that. It doesn't take that much time commitment that you need to quit your job to do it. Uh, only when the income is more than your job, then, you know, maybe you think about quitting just so that you have extra time, right? But you don't, you don't need to focus all your energy on, on trading and watching every tick of the market. You can do this and do it very, very well while still working your regular job. Okay, great. Do you feel that um, having worked on Wall Street and been involved with the markets was an advantage or maybe a disadvantage for you um, when you made the transition to trading for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest advantage. I mean, I think there's there's drawbacks, you know, and benefits to each, right? I mean, I think the biggest advantage was, you know, I got I got to see the other side of the Chinese wall, right? I mean, that's like it's not like the actual Chinese wall, right? Like it's the you know what they call like you know between private and public, right? So I was on the private side at M and A, so I got to see behind the scenes, you know, really what companies are thinking as they start to go public and as they start to split themselves up and, and become acquired and make themselves targets. So that was interesting. And then when I worked for uh, the regional bank that I worked for, I was on the public side. So I was on the other side where I was, you know, now I was asking questions to the CFO and to the CEO, like, you know, what do you think projections are going to be? How do you see this business growing? So as far as an understanding of how, you know, companies, most companies run their business and, and how that works, I got a pretty good understanding of it. How any of that relates to trading is, again, probably useless to most people because I, I don't use much of what I learned in that space now in trading. And I, and I would even say that most analysts that are out there now 
have no idea what it takes to be successful trading because they are too focused on you know earnings and revenue growth and all this stuff which of course you know has its place in the market but when it comes to trading options in my particular case you know because I'm an options trader none of that stuff really means anything it's it, it couldn't be further from you know what you should be focusing on okay sure now that's really interesting Kirk so if that's not what you should be focused on, would you mind sort of taking us through a little bit on um, how you describe your trading style these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's kind of the the maybe the ten thousand foot view on my trading. Um, I'm a big proponent of of making lots and lots of small trades, um, and I didn't I didn't always start that way. You know, I was I was more of a proponent of you know be aggressive in the areas that you need to be aggressive right but but now i know that um you know over time the probabilities are going to work themselves out in my favor so i need to act more like a casino right i need to limit my investment in every single trade and i need to make lots and lots of bets all over the place now some people would look at that and say well kirk you know why, why do you do that right that's just it's just a lot of little trades you know or i don't have the account size to do that but I always talk to people and I say, well, think about a casino, right? You go into a casino and you say, I want to drop a million dollars on one bet. No casino is ever going to let you do that, right? Not, not one casino in the world is going to make, let you drop a million dollars on one bet. But if you go into that same casino and say, I want to take a million dollars and I want to spread it out over a million bets of $1, they'd say, sure, all day long, right? Because they know that over time, they're going to get some of your money. But on a one-time roll of the dice, it's too risky, right? And so we need to act more like that. We need to make lots of little bets that are really high probability trades so that over time, they all work out in our favor. So that's kind of the basis of, of how I trade as far as, you know, kind of the 10,000-foot view. And then as we start digging down deeper, you know, I'm definitely an option seller of, you know, premium. I, I think that our edge in the market is implied volatility. It's been proven time and time again that implied volatility always overstates a move. So if implied volatility is you know expecting a 20% move in a stock, time and time again, we'll see that maybe that move is 18% or 16%. So implied volatility always overstates that move. And so as traders, we need to take advantage of that little edge. So we need to be net sellers of options more often than we're buyers, right? Buyers of options are just getting crushed. And they're going to continue to get crushed in the market. But that's where everyone starts, right? Because it's easy to buy options. It's simple to understand. Nobody starts with option selling, which is what they need to start with. Okay. You mentioned in there some people might think their account size can be a little limiting to take lots of small trades. Is that really the case? And would you suggest this is actually something new traders could do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so here's actually a cool thing. So in one of the podcasts that we did, which is show number six, uh, for our show, we looked at one of the case studies that actually the guys over at Tasty Trade did, and they're they're doing awesome stuff with a lot of studies, and they've got so much more money than I could ever have to do all this, you know, because they're backed and funded and all that stuff. So they're doing a bunch of studies, but here's a study that I think is is absolutely one of the best ones they've done. And they took two traders with a ten thousand dollar account, right? And that, so that's the average trader, right? They got about ten thousand dollars to trade. That's statistically what the average trader has. The first trader, Trader A, only invested 5% of his account in every single trade. So he made a high probability trade. He sold an iron condor, but he only invested 5% every month, 
Okay, so whatever his account balance was, he invested 5%. If his account balance grew, he invested 5%, etc. right? Left 95% of the money in cash, didn't even touch it, right? So he's investing, you know, 500 bucks, basically, right, of his $10,000 account. Trader B, so the other trader, he invested 50% of his money in every trade. So no matter what his account size grew to or dropped to, he invested 50, 50% of his money in every single trade. Now at the end of the year, or I think it was actually a five-year study. Yeah, I think it was actually a five-year study. So they did five years of trading, the same high probability trade, Iron Condor. Now at the end of the five years, both traders had won 75% of the time. They had made winning trades 75% of the time. So naturally people would say, well, hey, if they made winning trades 75% of the time, trader B has to be light years ahead of trader A because he was trading more money, right? He won three out of four times. He was making profitable trades. And what they actually found out is that trader B with the bigger allocation, even though he won the same amount of time, lost half of his money, trader A made 10%. So it's just phenomenal research that just proves the point that you don't need to either A, invest a lot of your money, or B, you don't even need to start with a lot of your money. You can start with 500 bucks and start trading that way, right? And that's as long as you're diligent about, you know, staying small and not risking too much, you can take 500 bucks and grow that. And I think that's the key takeaway for small traders that are out there is don't be scared to start with $500. You can start there. You're not going to quit your job with $500, right? <laughs> and you're not going to you're not going to buy a Porsche or a Ferrari with 500 bucks trading, but you can do it. And that's that's the that's the takeaway. Okay, cool. So we talk about taking a lot of smaller trades. Are you suggesting these are spread out across a range of markets or within a niche? Yeah, so so that's a good point. So I think that you know uh, there's a couple different ways you can look at it, right? Um, some people would say that you have to be diversified in market, and I, and I think more or less that's true, right? You don't want to trade all oil stocks or all you know metals. You don't want to trade all gold and silver. So there's got to be some diversification across market, and that's just you know common sense. You you can do that kind of looking at things, but I'm more of a proponent of diversification across two different time across two different things. One time, so I want trades that are spread out across you know different times. So that means that I might have some trades that are front month options, some trades that are back month options, maybe some trades that are two months out or three months out. So I've got trades that are working in different times. And then also I want to be diversified across strategy. So I don't want to be a one trick pony. I want to be able to sell strangles and sell straddles and also do calendars and butterflies, right? So so I'm a big proponent. If you could look at my, my portfolio right now, I've got a pretty even mix of of where my trades are strategy wise and then also time so i'm also you know diversified over time i think that's more important than actually market because market will end up kind of you know neutralizing itself if you trade high probability trades okay sure um so just again referring back to um your own podcast you've got an interesting episode about how charts are becoming less of an importance to you so yeah would you mind shining some light on how you use you know, a mix of technicals, fundamentals, and news to influence your trading decisions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so technicals used to be uh, a lot more important to me, and, and I still reference them. So I think there's a place in technicals 
uh, just because they're a way for people to get engaged, right? I mean, we're visual learners as humans, right? So we visually see something and we see an indicator cross and now we know, hey, that might be, you know, that's a buy signal, right? We, we can justify that in our head with the visualness. So technicals are okay, but what I'm getting to with that podcast, I think it was show number three or show number four uh, in our podcast that we just launched was that you don't need to know anything about the stock, like price history, technicals, to know if a trade is a high probability trade or, or low prob excuse me, low probability trade. And I think in that example, I was using Yahoo and uh, another stock, I believe it was uh, maybe Pandora or something. But basically, the stocks were virtually the same. And one trade, you had an 80% chance of success and you were making, let's say, $50. In the other trade, you had an 80% chance of success, but you were making $20, right? And you don't need, I mean, you, you know, we talk about that right now. You don't need to see the charts to know if I've got an 80% chance and I can make $50 versus 80% chance and I can make $20, well, I'm going to take that first trade every day. And so I think the more that people actually get, again, back into the beginning, get back into the numbers and make this mechanical and really learn the probabilities and statistics, the better off you're going to be. And believe me, it's tough. It's hard, right? I mean, no, everyone wants this to be easy, right? And it's just not easy. That's why, no, that's why you know, everybody can't do it. But if you learn some of the basics, I think you'll be light years ahead of where most traders are when they get started. Okay, that's really that's really good, Kirk. Um, before taking a trade, what are you looking for besides the the probabilities? Um, what gives you the confidence needed to execute on a trade? Right. So, so I think the biggest thing is is liquidity. So. Um, I'm at the point now where even though I trade small, I want to trade liquid. So I think liquidity is an overlooked thing uh, that that people just kind of glance over. They they type in a ticker symbol and they see the options are traded, but they don't really look at liquidity because more often than not, uh, liquidity is kind of where you can lose that edge that you gain in volatility. So if there's not a tight market, so the bid ask spread and the options is you know, 30 or 40, or sometimes I've seen them almost $100 wide, you're losing a huge edge. And it doesn't matter how high probability trade you make or, or what strike you select. If you're in a market that's illiquid, you're going to have a tough time getting in. You're going to lose just on the bid-ask spread in and out. And you're going to have a tough time getting out. So even if you have a profitable trade and it's working, you might not even be able to exit that trade for three or four days. And by that time, the market's turned around. So I think liquidity is a big thing uh, when it comes to that. And then the other question I always ask myself is, do I need this type of a trade in my portfolio? And I was just talking last night to a guy that I do coaching with, and he was saying, well, hey, you know, I, I want to make this trade in, uh, in uh, Wells Fargo. And we we're looking at his portfolio, and I'm like, okay, well, you're bearish in Wells Fargo. You got 15 bearish trades here, right? You don't need another bearish trade. And he's like, yeah, but it's setting up really good. And I'm like, I don't care how great it's setting up. You don't need another bearish trade. You need to maybe take off a couple bearish trades or maybe get some bullish trades, neutralize, you know, kind of your portfolio and your deltas. And I think that's a, a question that people don't ask, right? They look at a trade and they're like, man, this is a great setup, great setup. But does it fit in the overall picture, right? Do, do I need this trade or do I, I don't need this trade? It's just going to, you know, cause me to be more lopsided. So those are the two things I look for, you know, more than the probabilities. Okay, that's really good. So once you're into a trade, 
Um, can you give us a bit of an idea on how you might go about managing it? Yeah, so so I think there's there's obviously well two trades you can manage, right? Um, there's trades that are you know kind of self-managed, meaning you know the credit spreads, the butterflies, things like that, the debit spreads. They're self-managed because you you already have protection for them. So that as soon as you enter the trade, you've you've bought a put or bought a call as protection. To me, I firmly believe that you do best by managing those when you place the order. So when you actually get into the trade. You make sure that you're not trading it too large. You make sure that it's a liquid product, that it fits in the overall portfolio. That's the best management you can do. At that point, you need to let the probabilities work themselves out. And that's why I tell people, this is not a business that you need to be you know, in a trade and out of a trade in two days, right? You can place trades and let them go all the way to expiration. If you do everything right in the beginning, so what? If it becomes a loser, you know that if you make that trade, 10 times, eight times, it's going to be a winner, right? So that's the whole game is, is being able to be patient and let it ride. Now, the other types of trades that you have are the undefined risk trades, right? Like your strangles and straddles. When it comes to those trades, you have to be a little bit more aggressive, or not maybe aggressive, but you just have to babysit them a little bit more, right? They're, they're undefined. They carry a lot of margin risk. So with those types of trades, you either need to be a little bit quicker to take profit. So you need to you know, buy back the spread when it's, you know, has a nice, decent profit already. Don't wait for that full max profit because you might get yourself in trouble. But if a trade goes wrong, then there's a bunch of things you can do. But generally, I'm a big proponent of doing two things with trades that go wrong. One is extending my trading timeline. So if I can roll that trade to the next month and keep the same strikes and not pay to roll, well, then that's a winning trade to me because now I've taken a trade that let's say is in 30 days, and now I've given it 60 days because I've rolled it to the next contract month. Now I've got the exact same trade with the exact same risk parameter, right? I didn't pay any money to roll it or I didn't, you know, I got a credit to roll it. I've got the exact same risk, but now I've got 60 days to be right instead of 30 days. So I think rolling is 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 actually underutilized right now in the market. People don't roll their contracts enough. And then they probably roll them wrong, but they need to roll them right. And then the other thing is, if I can take in a credit, that obviously will help, right? Taking in a credit on some of these trades will help widen out my break-even points, uh, especially with your strangles and straddles. The more you can take in in a credit, the better off you're going to become because you just bank this huge, huge credit, and that widens out your break-even points on your chart. Okay, that's great. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. They started at the beginning, reimagining the bond screener with an intuitive design that helps you zero in on the exact kinds of bonds you're looking for. Then they made it easier to evaluate each investment opportunity with better data in the places you need it most. Finally, they made investing in bonds as straightforward as stocks or any other asset. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? 
Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. So I'd like to just take a bit of a step back. I mean, you're an options guy, you trade options. What would you say attracts you to options over other types of products? Yeah. So, yeah. And I know you've had other guys on like Tim Sykes and all those guys with, you know, penny stocks and stuff like that. I think for me, it's about leverage, right? I think that options provide a great opportunity for today's retail trader. And I think more people are going to use them in the future as long as they continue to understand them, right? And the, the market for education and teaching people how to use options is, you know, growing leaps and bounds as is the option market. But I think what really attracts me to options is is the leverage, right? The ability to control a lot of shares with a little bit of upfront capital. And then also the ability to make uh, positions that are creative, right? Like I can take a stock, uh, for example, we made a, a, a trade in Qualcomm today because Qualcomm dropped after earnings. But now I can take that scenario and instead of making a just up or down trade saying, okay, I think it's going to go higher or I think it's going to go lower, I can now be a little bit creative with options and say, I don't know if it's going to go up or down, but I think it might stay in this range, right? So like with Qualcomm today, we said, you know what, I don't know if it's going to go up or down, but it might stay in a $6 range over the next month. So that ability to do that in options is, I think, really, really unique. And that's why I love them so much. Okay, that's cool. So to someone who has little to no knowledge about options, but might be interested in trading them, where do you recommend they start? Like, what are some of the things they should begin learning before anything else? Yeah, so so I think people can get overwhelmed, right? It's There's a lot of information to learn with options. And I tell everybody that I coach, you've got to take it in chunks, right? You've got to learn by focusing on specific areas. So I believe when it comes to options that you should just break down, you know, all the different parameters, you know, or topic areas that you want to learn. So for example, if you want to learn about, you know, bullish strategies, great. Learn about bullish strategies for an entire week, right? Read everything there is to know or you can find online about bullish option strategies. And if you see something in there and you don't know it, right? Don't don't go look it up later. Just, you know, keep kind of going through and just keep reading and learning about bullish strategies. And then next week, maybe you learn about the deltas or, or, or the gammas or the thetas or the vegas or the Greeks in general, right? So you kind of break it down and you you eat it chunk by chunk. And I think that's where people have to start is they, they get overwhelmed. They think they got to learn. I got to learn this and that and that strategy and that strategy. No, you've got plenty of time. Believe me, it's it's taken me a long time to learn it. I'm still learning it too, right? Like I'm never done learning. So you're going to learn forever. So take your time with it and learn in chunks. So that's, I think, the best way to hack through it is, is learn in chunks. Yeah, so just breaking it down into small bite-sized pieces. And, right, you know, right, yeah. Take, taking it one step at a time. No, that's, that's great. Right. 
Um, so you teach um, trading to hundreds of students. Um, where is the one area you see beginner traders getting it wrong? I mean, this might be specific to option traders um, or just traders in general, but I mean, what stands out to you? Yeah, I can tell you right now, the number one thing that people get wrong is that they're not persistent and consistent with their trading. And I say both of those things because you don't, you not, you not only have to be consistent, right? You've got to do this. If you're going to commit to doing this, don't laissez-faire commit to do it, right? Don't like kind of dilly-dally into this market. If you want to do this, you know, make a commitment to do it and realize that you're going to be doing it for at least the next year to see if it works, right? It's not, not a 30-day thing. It's not a 60-day thing. It's a year commitment, okay? So you've got to be consistent in doing it every single day. The second thing is you've got to be persistent in how you do it. So the types of trades that you make. So like what I, hopefully I get across to people and what I'm trying to teach people is if you're going to make, you know, if you want to trade, you know, let's say iron condors, then great, trade iron condors, but be persistent in trading iron condors the exact same way every week for an entire year. And, and that's really hard to do. I mean, look, it's hard to do for me. It's, it's hard to do for you and for everybody else to be that consistent. But that's the type of, of, of trading mindset you've got to have starting out in this business to know that it's going to work out. And I'll give you a, a classic example of, of why this is so important. If you look at trades that are high probability trades, right, that trades that will win 80 out of 100 times, if you know that that distribution is going to be at some point over 100 trades that you make, you're going to win 80, then that should give you some confidence. But what often happens is that traders get started and they lose the first 20 times. And they're like, hey, this stinks, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm never winning. But th- that's where you got to kick in the persistent and consistent because you know, you know and you have the belief that you're making that right trade that the next 80 trades or so, whatever, you know, over time should be the ones where you make money. But people quit at the 20 trades. So they quit when things go wrong and they don't really believe in what we're trying to teach them, right? Like if, if, I, if they said, Kirk, I believe you that you're going to win 80% of the time. Yeah, well, it might take 200 trades before you see that work out, right? It's not going to take 10 trades. It's going to take a lot. So I think that's the number one thing that traders fall into and 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 really trip up on is just kind of dilly-dallying and getting into this for like 10 days and then they're out and then they're back in for 10 days and then they're gone for a month right you got to be in it or you're not yeah so consistent and persistent i think that's awesome to be able to write out potentially 20 losing trades in a row you're going to need some really good risk management in place so would you like to share with us any rules you might have around this topic Yeah. 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 So here's, and I'm glad you brought that up actually, because here's the thing, right? So if I said in probably people right now on the podcast are like, Kirk, what the heck are you talking about? 20 losing trades. I could never do that. Right. But this is where I go back to saying that you've got to trade small, right? You got to You got to trade smaller positions because if you can't afford to lose on 20 little positions and still have money left over, You need to save more money or make your trade size even smaller. Here's an interesting statistic that I think a lot of people will appreciate, and hopefully it will bring some comfort. If you trade just 5% of your account balance in every trade that you make, right, like we talked about earlier, the probability that you go bankrupt with just 5% in every single trade is one in 3.49 billion. 
right? And you know that I don't have this in front of me right now. Like I know that stat. It's one in 3.49 billion. So that means if you're trading with 5% or less per trade, you virtually have a, I mean, like the slimmest chance possible of going bankrupt. You got a better chance of getting hit by lightning twice in one day than going bankrupt. Okay, so that means that if you do that, you can trade through 20 losing trades and be persistent and consistent to keep going after that. So my rule of thumb is, and this is just what I use, I know other guys use different things, is my sliding scale is 1% to 5%. So your risk should be on a sliding scale, because sometimes you need to you know, slide it up, slide it down, should be anywhere between 1% and 5% of your of your account balance per trade. That means if you got a $10,000 account, 5% would be 500 bucks for that trade. That's great. I mean, I think statistics really sort of help to put it in perspective, yeah. um, especially in that case anyway. <laughs> Trading can be a game that does play with your emotions a lot. So how do you deal with this side of things, especially after a few losing trades? I mean, we probably touched on this a little bit when we discuss probabilities and proving to yourself that you're going to make money in the long run, but that's easier said than done. So do you have any tips on how traders might be able to handle their emotions better? Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to having some rules in place. So when you get started and you start learning a little bit more and then you start making trades, you know, start writing down some rules for yourself and, and, and rules are going to be different for you than for me. So, so I don't ever publish rules, you know, like so a lot of people will say like, Kirk, what are, what are the rules of trading? Like, what do I need to know before I make a trade? Well, that's different for you than for me. But to have some set of rules that you go off of, like, uh, for example, I, you know, I won't trade a stock that doesn't have a million shares traded every day, right? Like that's just a little rule of mine. So it's got to be a liquid stock to begin with. Right? I want the stock to be liquid so I know that the options are liquid. So if you have some of those rules in place, I think that keeps you sane because it hopefully will keep you out of bad trades when things go wrong. So when things are going really bad, right? People tend to have, you know, make worse decisions, right? You know, like in life, when things are going really bad in life, you just keep making bad decisions because you're like, oh, well, you know, things are going bad. But you can't do that in trading, right? So you got to be, you know, consistent. And I think rules are really good to have in place. Um, and I think they need to be a little bit firm. So you need to have some firm rules. Again, treat this thing like a like a like a robot, right? You need to make sure that you're entering things mechanically as soon as they meet your criteria. Don't look at the market. Don't read the news. Don't worry about what you know XYZ CEO said they are going to do with new product launch. It doesn't mean anything. It's a bunch of crap. Follow your rules, and over time, you'll make decent money doing it. Yeah, so having a solid set of rules helps to sort of uh, remove yeah. some of the emotion from trading. Um, yeah, well, Kirk, this has been awesome uh, having you on here. It's been really yeah, great. Man. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, so awesome. we'll just take it to the closing bell, which is just a short, sharp round of um, questions. So the first Sweet. one would be, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received? I don't know. That's a, that's, I don't know. These are like short and quick. This is like the best piece of advice in my life. Um, when it comes to trading, I think the best piece of advice uh, that I've ever received is, is just somebody telling me earlier in my years, you know, like you have no idea where, where something is going to go. Um, and I think that sticks with me, right? Like no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, 
you have no idea where the market's going to go. So own that, right? Know that you don't know where the market's going to go and don't assume you do. So maybe that's the best piece of advice. Yeah, that's really good. What is the number one trading resource you couldn't live without today? Uh, I think Thinkorswim, the the broker platform, they have been, I've been with Thinkorswim since before uh, they've been bought out and, and all that stuff and, and went private, public, all that. So they've been a huge part of my success because I think their platform is so powerful. Um, and I've learned so much just being able to navigate and use their platform that it, it truly is the one trading resource I couldn't live without. Okay, that's great. We'll, um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, yep. What's one book you believe is a must read for any trader just starting out? Oh, man. I think uh, Reminiscence of a Stock Operator is is an interesting book. I, it doesn't have any relation to really options, um, but it, it's all about uh, Jesse Livermore and how he cornered the markets back in the day. And just just understand that book again. I think you know, kind of just shows you the mindset that that most people are in, um, and how he was totally different. And I think that's how that's how most people have to act now, right? Like everybody, everybody and their mother thinks that you should trade one way or thinks you should do you know stock trading one way, and they all never make money, right? So we have to be the complete, you know. Uh, black sheep and think completely different. And so I think that book, Reminiscence of a Stock Operator, uh, is a great, great uh, story about that. Okay, awesome. I've been meaning to read that one, actually, so I must must get on to that. That's a quick read. Yeah, quick read. Great. Um, knowing everything you do now, what would you have done differently come day one? Man, I, d- I wouldn't have lost money the first week. You know, that would, <laughs> if that was easy, I wouldn't have done that. Because um, maybe I would have had more money now. You know, I think I would have, uh, I would have taken myself out of the game emotionally with trades a lot earlier than I did. Because um, I think even and people, you know, we all get into this, right? It's like you make a bad trade, and, and like a long time ago, I made a bad trade in Chipotle, and I'm like, I'm never eating another burrito again, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I hate the company, I hate the stock, I don't want to look at it, and yeah, and you got to take yourself out. So if I if I had to go back. I'd say, you know what, I'm going to take myself out of the game. I'm going to follow my rules. I'm just going to be consistent and persistent about this and do what I know is going to work. All right, awesome. Man, Kirk, so many good answers there. Um, I think I think listeners will take a lot away from that. So before we leave, um, do you want to maybe let us know where listeners can connect with you and yeah, find yeah. out more about you and your services? Yeah, so so they can obviously find me on optionalpha.com. And what I was going to say is what I'll do today is there's a series of four videos that I publish that are not anywhere else on the website. And so what I'd like to do is that if anybody's listening to your show, they can go to optionalpha.com slash chat with traders and they can get those four videos that I don't publish anywhere else. They're about 30 minutes each, and they go through kind of the whole process in my framework for trading options. So it'll be just for your listeners. So again, they can just go to optionalpha.com slash chat with traders. Man, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I'm sure the listeners will um, definitely appreciate that one. Yeah, man. All right, Kirk. Well, um, we hope to have you on again. And um, until then, take care. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders. But don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders.